Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Stringjoy. They make custom strings. They'll make them in the sizes that you want. And then the sizes you didn't even know existed. Nine and a half, ten and a half. What's the deal with that? Yeah, uh, uh, 89 and a half, probably. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you know, um, I hit up Scott over at Stringjoy and I said, these are the strings I'm using now. What do you think? And he's like, how about you try these string gauges instead? It might give you a better feel. So uh, he's done a lot of research. He's tried to figure stuff out on his end. Give him a shot. Let him uh, let him make something custom for you. And um, if you like them, those might be the new strings that you use for the rest of your life. You'll always be dissatisfied because you'll every time you go to another brand after Stringjoy, they won't be that perfect balance set that That's you got true. that one time from through Stringjoy. So you'll keep going back to Stringjoy for the rest of your life. So check them out. Stringjoy.com. Is it unprofessional that we're eating meatballs while we're doing a sponsorship? Well, it is now that you mentioned it. <laughs> I could clearly hear that you were eating a meatball while you were saying that. No one would have heard that after the MP3 compression. Aaron from the Gear Slum, and you're listening to Sixty Cycle. Let me talk, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, a playing podcast. Listen to the Gear Slum. Hey, Steve. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing, man? I'm I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Do you have anything new? I don't, but I heard you did. I do have something new. But first, I'm going to say, over the sound of the water running through the pipes here in the garage, that uh, we're drinking whiskeys and Cokes. We've got Seagram 7 uh-huh. and Coca-Cola. That's true. I'm drinking out of a uh, Cold Jack. Double-walled steel insulated cup is similar to what you would expect from like a Yeti-style cup, but it's a completely different brand. I made a logo for them a while back, and part of my payment was in trade for products, so I have it. How many of those did you get for your uh, I got this tall services. one. I got this tall one, Okay, and then I think I got eight short ones. Fancy. And I got those... W- thinking that I would distribute them as Christmas gifts to friends and family. So, okay, cool. You might get one. Probably not. We'll see. Well, Don't say probably not. Pre- not. Pressure's on because we, we never get you guys anything. Steve, I'm going to give you one. I'm not expecting anything from you. I'm going to give oh, you one. Oh, man. You know one. what I'm going to get you, Ryan? What? Once you try out those two sets of String Joy strings in front of you, uh-huh. I'm going to order you a set of, your, of whatever set that you enjoy. I'm nice. going to say, Scott... Just give Ryan whatever more of the Ryan same. wants. Just give whatever he's already ordering. Send him another set. Here's my here's my payment information. I like that you worked a sponsorship into my birthday present <laughs> or Christmas present. Christmas, dude. Come on. <laughs> this is uh, you know what? there's there's people who have been asking us to do another drunk cast last week and this week. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is what you got. I'm completely sober right now. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think so, Steve. You were talking like me last episode. 
And you've poured yourself another whiskey and That cola. was last week. <laughs> Good point, Steve. That was a whole week ago. We definitely aren't recording two episodes Are you going to talk about your Fender 63 Reverb reissue? I am going to talk about my Fender 63 Reverb reissue. I said a while back ago that I had bought this thing uh, from Guitar Center. And I finally got to go pick it up. Yeah. And I've been playing around with it, and it has been a dream come true. I am in love with this thing. It's so drippy. It's so just wet and reverbery. It sounds perfect. I'm so excited. I had a really fun experience going to get it because uh, I took my kid with me uh-huh. to give my wife a break for the uh, for the day because she needed to get some stuff done. Unlike today. Unlike today. I was out working all day long, and now... Came straight home and started podcasting as soon as I got home. So my wife has been with our toddler all day long. You guys all need to thank my wife if you ever get the chance for uh, facilitating this podcast because she sacrifices a lot for it's it. It's kind of awkward because like I'm, I'm kind of like the innocent bystander, uh-huh. and she recognizes that. Uh-huh. But then I kind of make fun of you. At, <laughs> I make fun of you, but I know that it's at her expense. And I know that if we were recording at my house, my wife would be like giving me like evil eyes just as hard. Right, right. I mean, it's doing a podcast that realistically we make a little bit of money doing it. We could make more money if we were if we were baristas. <laughs> a lot more money. Or if we were good at this. Or if we were good at this. <laughs> it's... I think I figured out, and it's like we're barely just above minimum wage right now. <laughs> when we have sponsors. When we don't have sponsors, two sponsors per episode, uh-huh. we're not making minimum wage. Yeah. So that, right. that's something to consider. Uh, Stop making me feel bad about this. Ryan, tell me, about, <laughs> you have you used the reverb unit? I have not live. I used it at home, and it's been a ton of fun. I'm going to do a... Uh, How does it compare to the FRV1? It is a lot. Don't better. give away the secret. Okay, I'm gonna do a YouTube video soon, a shootout because I've been doing these reverb. Is that shootout four? This next one I will be shootout so. four. It'll be the fourth one. It's kind of our thing now. It's one of our things. We have multiple things, but it's one of our things. But it gets a lot of views, and I, we get comments on it consistently, like people saying, "Oh, thank you for doing this," or yeah. "Oh, what about this reverb?" or "Or they have questions or what, whatever." Um, I'm going to do a reverb shootout with the FRV1, mm-hmm. with the Surfy Bear. And the Topanga. And the Topanga and and the and the Fender Reverb Unit. And I'm also, I have an active bid on a Dan Electra Spring King right now. Oh, really? So I'm hoping to get one of those for the reverb shootout and have it be like, here's the two tried and true pedals that I know that I like. The FRV1 and Topanga. Versus three actual spring units. Dude. So that will, I think it'll be the last one for a really long time until something new and exciting comes out. Because mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of anything else where I'd be like, yeah, I definitely have to do this. So I think that will be the definitive shootout to see what is the drippiest or best drippy or just isn't, doesn't even have to be a competition. It can be like, which one do you prefer? It can show you examples of what each one does. There's definite benefits to having the pedals. Not everyone wants super drippy reverb. (laughs) Steve, I'm telling you, you're talking like me. Not everybody wants... How much... How 
how much does a reverb tank like the whole full unit how much does that weigh it's not about weight it's about the size that it takes up it's like an amp head yeah so i mean not everyone wants to move that thing around and it's inconvenient to take around it's in- inconvenient to, to pack to a gig and you stuff can't like that. friggin' plug a one spot into it and like honestly as much as i love it someone at a live show like audibly is not going to be able to tell the difference that's what i appreciate about you as a performing musician Uh is that you recognize that you recognize the balance between what you want to hear as the player and what drives Mm -hmm. you versus what the audience actually hears right well what the audience actually hears when i'm playing guitar is an ear splitting noise that will leave them not able to have telephone conversations for two days. Right. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully what the audience hears when you are playing guitar is Mitch and Dave Lee. Absolutely. And Ariel Levine. Yeah. And <laughs> my, not you, my band members. No, I guarantee you I'm the loudest one in the band and that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah, no, no, but, but I mean, you know, but what I was getting to earlier so, is so like, mu- hold on, hold okay, on. Okay, you so, interrupt so, me so and, much, and me. So much of like the gear um, world, so much of like the mentality that you that you hear about is all these people who, what's the best sounding, da 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 da, whatever. And it's like, well, you can pay like X dollars for this thing. But the reality is, is that like 99.9% of the people you're playing to uh-huh. can't tell the difference. So you have to decide decide for yourself as an individual is what I personally am getting out of owning this particular piece of gear worth it. It's all about the individual. And, and definitely there are, I mean, there's things that I own where I own them because I I think they're cool. Absolutely. And I recognize that, especially for me, like as a church musician, whether whether or not I play, like, so I play basically most Sunday nights acoustic guitar. Uh-huh. Whether I play with a $100 guitar, which is what I play with, or if I were to get like a $3,000 guitar, mm-hmm. I play to a bunch of 15-year-olds. They're not going to know the difference. Yeah. And you're running through a sound system that I don't know what it's like, but it's probably not it's, ideal it's for not, a $15,000 guitar. great. Um, now that being said, like, do I think I would enjoy my playing more if I was playing, you know, a, a Taylor six series? Right. Hell yeah. You'd be having a great time. Hell yeah. MFR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but at the end of the day, like I recognize fully that that's about me. Yeah. It's not about the audience. It's about me. Well, the, that's what the audience doesn't care. That's where a lot of you know, guitar products come from is for the enjoyment of the player. You know, is a, you could dial in a Mexican Strat with stock pickups with a, you know, a very available, affordable rig to sound very, very close to a very, very nice boutique Strat with some kind of very, very nice, uh, amp. It's, you know, the audience isn't going to be t- able to tell a difference, but you're going to tell a difference as a musician. You're going to feel better about it. It's going to feel better in your hands. It's going to feel better in your ears. It's going to sound nicer, but the audience isn't going to care. They're not going to be able to tell the difference because, uh, you know, 
likely the sound guy isn't great. The PA isn't great. It's all just going to sound like noise to them. And they're really, let's be honest, most music appreciating concert goers are really hanging on the lyrics, which is unfortunate. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate for you as an instrumental musician. That's absolutely true. I get questions almost every show like, oh, when were you guys? I thought you guys were going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> and in and in my case, ultimately, why like don't a, you sing? I've heard you sing before, and you have a very nice voice, Ryan. And that's when I say, "No, you're wrong. I don't have a nice nice <laughs> voice, and I'm never going to sing again." And ultimately, in my case, like I'm a cover artist, right? Right, because you're doing worship songs, right? Yeah, right. Uh, getting back to what I was going to say before, I had a great time going to Guitar Center and picking up my Fender Re- Reverb unit. Because I took my two-year-old with me uh, to give my my wife some time. We've got taken a lot of time to get to this point, uh, and he had a blast at the guitar store at Guitar Center because he's seen me playing guitars. He knows all about pedals and amps and guitars. And we walk through the door, and he's looking at the walls of guitars and amps and pedals, and he just kept saying, "Wow, so many!" Like he said that phrase over and over again he was just like wow and it was like this sincere wow from him and it was really it was really fun for me for to see him have that experience and to be kind of taken back and to enjoy guitar center in a way that i haven't enjoyed it in probably a decade or so you know to enjoy a guitar shopping experience where i in in a way that i haven't where he's a two-year-old and he recognizes that guitars are an important thing in his family's life, at least. And that there's a place where there are so many of them that it's, you know, kind of awe-inspiring. Because I think we've become a little bit jaded with Guitar Center and just been like, oh, this is a big box store. Sure. This is, you know, a corporate entity. On on the one hand, when Guitar Center finally fails... (laughs) Which won't be next year. It'll be down the road. As soon as our next president is in office. Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Don't say that. Um, I don't like Hillary, but I don't like Trump at all. Oh, my gosh. Did we just get political? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, no, I don't want to get political this episode, but I think dogs should vote. <laughs> Uh, somebody said that it was uh, an appropriate time. It's been a while since I've gone on a political rant. Oh my gosh! Um, I don't really have one, so sorry, guys. Was it political or was it socioeconomic? I thought it was a, supposed to be a socio economic rant. I don't know. Do people want me to talk about libert- you know we libertarianism? should change this topic right away and let's talk about the Gear Slum podcast. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. We played that intro from them. Yep. Which was their response to our cease and desist. Uh-huh. Rather, their lawyers. I don't even understand how they afford a lawyer. Um, they must be like one of them must be worth a lot more money than well, I thought they were. They charge what is it five dollars and twenty something cents every time they mention someone's name on their podcast. So that's where all the money is coming from. So they must have like a like a $15 lawyer that they've tracked down in all, in all seriousness though, uh, you know, this back and forth, like lawyer banter cease and desist stuff like to, to ruin the fun. It's, it's all a big joke. 
Uh, we obviously didn't send a cease and desist to them. Uh, they obviously don't have a lawyer. <laughs> but uh, I just want to say that I'm I'm very happy to see uh, what used to be 60 Cycle Slum become uh, the Guitar Slum podcast or the Gear Slum podcast is their name and become more independent from the concept of covering our show and becoming their own thing, becoming a, a show that covers guitar culture in general. I think that they, uh, they have a good dynamic on their show and I'm looking forward to seeing them kind of develop as a podcast. Yeah. You know, it's, it was interesting. Um, I don't want to say, I don't want to take credit for anything because who knows? Absolutely You know, not. you don't really know. But we kind of jumped into the podcast game almost two years ago. Over no, two, over two over years ago. Two almost years three ago. years ago now. Yeah. Um, and we jumped in it in kind of a lull because a lot of the, the existing podcasts were kind yeah. of like in a weird hiatus. Six String Bliss had just finished. And, and right after we jumped in, over in the two years since... Two and a half years, almost again, almost three years since we jumped in. Uh, a lot of new podcasts have jumped up, and it's been really cool. In the case of of uh, sixty cycle slum slash gear slum, to get to the point where like three guys who listen to our show were like, "Let's just do like episodes where we talk about this it other was, show's episodes." But, as, as little as as little as I belittled it and. Oh, as much as I belittled it, as little as like, you belittled it, and tried to like push it aside and be like, "Oh, this is stupid. Don't listen to this." I really was very flattered. Yes, a hundred percent flattered. And, and I will say that, like, I do think the three of them have a good dynamic. Absolutely, and I, I do think the Gear Slum um, is going. They're going to be more of a culture. We, do, you, and I definitely do culture. But we're um, pretty grounded in gear. But we're more grounded in gear. I think like our whole thing is used to gear for sure. Right. Um, I think they will be doing a lot of stuff that will be really interesting. Uh huh. Um, so I hope you guys tune into that. It's the Gear Slum. They're still having some. Uh, I would. I think it's fair to say they're still having some technical I bet difficulties. They figured it, I bet they figured it out by now. No, they haven't. Oh, maybe by the time this episode airs, they have. I'm telling you, Steve, you're talking like me. Um, that one, I, I definitely know that I screwed up, <laughs> uh, but I already set up the first two spins for the next wheel of pedals. So suck it, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I really, I actually, I was listening to their show today after I listened to ours. Mm-hmm. Of course. You got to listen to the most important one first. Right. That's and the better goes. one. Um, <laughs> Well, never mind. Um, so yeah, to it's, uh, yeah. What the heck? We're rambling. We are rambling so hard. Uh, what's the first ad? Knife dude from David Chote. Knife, knife dude. He's the knife dude. The reason he's called the knife dude is because one time he pulled a knife on David Chote. Knife dude. He's the knife dude. <laughs> I'm glad we're. On the, you know, this is one of the rare. I have a reputation for being the lush on this show. Oh my gosh, I'm in it right now. Well, and, I skipped uh, dinner is what happened. Yeah, I usually eat dinner with you. Yeah. So what do you want from me? Did you skip dinner too? Yeah, I came here from Target. <laughs> the man from Target. I thought there was going to be food here when I showed up. I'm sorry, Steve. I was gone all day working on piano demos and when... 
I got home literally like two minutes before. I was you waiting got here. for the text that said, "Hey, Marion, can you grab some burritos?" I know the problem is that I had burritos like a night ago, and uh, did you have funky funky burgers today? I did. Yes, I'm addicted, Steve. You know I'm addicted. <laughs> There's a place really close to um, the place where I do piano demos called Funky Burgers and Fries. I'm completely addicted. It's going to kill me. Uh, I took my wife there and I was like, honestly, you should probably send these guys a picture of me and tell them to put it on their do not serve list. <laughs> it has become a problem in my All life. Right. Um, so there's a guy in Oceanside, California. Uh-huh. And apparently he... Uh, Which is basically San Diego. Sure. It's, it's, nor- in, it's in San Diego it's County. northern San Diego County. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you were living in southern San Diego County, you would be like, nah, dude, that's basically OC. Yeah. You would say it in that voice, too, if you were in southern San Diego <sighs> County. Actually, you would do it in, you'd do it in a Mexican accent. Oh, my gosh. I was going to be like, okay. <laughs> you Ryan, Ryan Burke is a racist. Hey, I say, this basically... Dude, like just no. The stop. OC. Stop. <laughs> I'm not racist. All right. Here's what I'm going to say, Steve. Here's my not, I'm not racist sentence. Just because you have Mexican friends doesn't mean you can't be racist. Here's what I'm going to say, Steve. Let me speak my piece. Okay. And you can quote this and you can put it on, uh, on the, on the subreddit, uh, the Trump. Here's my, here's my piece where I say that. I'm Just because you're not voting for Donald Trump doesn't mean you're not okay. racist. I'm not racist. But I would love it if we could figure out a way to keep white people from making reggae. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So this guy in Oceanside, uh, update. I, I'll update it. This is an update. Uh, we many post- of my guitars and amps. For we sale. posted this on Craig's on the Facebook group a while back ago, and I don't think we talked about it on the group. No. But this is a guy who is well-known on the San Diego Craigslist for selling big lots of pickups and trying to sell these guitars that are basically parts casters. He takes Is this the pickup guy, too? Yes, the pickup guy, too. Okay. And he... I'm pretty sure it is, anyways. And he takes, like, squires and does, like, fret dressing on them and pickup yeah. upgrades and all kinds of different things. And then tries to pawn them off as, you know, being the same as American guitars. Update. Change of plans. A lot of what I have. Well, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so 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 well, last... we could say what he's updating for. For like two weeks ago, he posted this big ad that was like, "I'm trying to unload forty thousand dollars worth of gear. Yeah. I want to sell it all at once. Here's the list of all the guitars, and they were all basically parts guitars with a few other guitars mixed in. Right. And it, he was like asking, like, someone send me an offer. Yeah. So this ba- is all worth forty thousand dollars. So I kind of read it. N- n- you know, seeing the kind of work, seeing what the guy works on, like I, I personally read this as you know he had the the beat on like a sixty eight, sixty five Stratocaster or something, right, like right. That. You know, some some vintage Fender that's worth like twenty to thirty thousand dollars, kind of a deal. So now he says, update, change of plans. A lot of what I have listed are custom built guitars, and many respondents have referred to them as parts casters. Well, this is essentially true. I would reply equal. I would apply equally to Nash, Sewer, and other boutique. Is it boutique or boutique? 
you know, I'm so confused. <laughs> now, I don't know which are, are original. We are 100. We have 140 episodes and we still don't know what to say. Well, I'm confused because I don't know what is our original pronunciations and what is the correct anymore because we've been corrected so many times and there's the there's these multiple versions of the way things are said mm-hmm. trapped in my so, brain. So he says, um, I have custom build part ca- parts casters in very small quantities with much personal attention to detail that bulk manufacturers cannot replicate. Many of the guitars I built were on speculation, hoping a buyer would like the unique combination of woods. I'm impressed that he kn- he's familiar with speculation. Sure, sure. Um, that bulk manufacturers cannot replicate. Many of the guitars I built were on... Oh, sorry. He's um, probably an out-of-work graphic designer. <laughs> I sh- well, well, we'll get into that. Because, okay. of my inventory, because my inventory is so extensive, my future plans for guitar builds is going to be by commission only. If you want something special, please send me a note. Talking is free. Wink face. Wink, winking smiley face. Uh-huh. Um, the picture that we screen grab that you guys can look at um, is going to be a Squire 51. Tele pickup in some kind of lipstick pickup. I'm not sure if it's a tele pickup. I'm not sure if I it's almost, a lipstick pickup. I thought that was one of those lace sensors, but now I'm in, not so sure. In the neck, the lace there is an aluminum. Excuse me, a lace aluminum. Oh tone my gosh, in the bridge. Good hiccup, Steve. That was solid. <laughs> um, so so apparently, and we've talked about this. This has come up in the group. Um, this guy. I guess pulled a knife on David Chote, big friend of the show. Uh huh, really big friend. Uh, and David Chote's a hardcore Craigslister. Yeah, he came to your birthday party. He came to the hundredth episode. Uh huh, that's true. He came to Nam with Gaiatone guitars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the story, as I understand it, is that he went to go sell a guitar to this guy. Yeah, and then the guy pulled out a knife. And use the knife to scrape away part of the paint on the guitar and then try to, to negotiate a lower price on the guitar because there was a missing piece of paint that he just cut away with a knife right. that he was still holding and like like waving in the air in David's direction. Right, in a, in a semi-threatening fashion. Right, like if you don't take my lowball offer on this, then blood is going to be spilled. Yeah, I, I don't... This guy's <laughs> been running a lot of ads. So basically what he will do is he will buy a, say, a Squire Finity Stratocaster. Right. Strip the headstock, do a full refinish, um, and then he will... Uh, and so he'll do the full refinish... And then he will do. He'll uh, swap out the um, neck screws uh, for machine bolts. So he will uh, drill out the neck, the, okay. the neck mount. He will put in these uh, stainless steel rods, for lack of a better term, and what and this allows uh, the neck to be. Ma- mounted with machine bolts instead of with screws interesting and the argument is that this um allows for better mounting in turn like it's basically the idea is that that it is an improved uh uh neck um bolt-on neck design interesting right a lot of guys do this a lot of manufacturers actually do this um I, I shouldn't say a lot, but I've been seeing this more and more. Enough. So he's doing this. Um, 
saying that this allows for like a really tight neck pocket because you're not relying on the wood, which can, you know, I guess swell or shrink over time. You're, you're doing metal, um, or whatever. <laughs> I actually, so I sold a neck to this guy. He's, he's an older retired dude. Oh, so you've uh, met him. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure it's the same guy. Cause he said like, I sold him an all parts neck. And he was super excited about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I do these, you know, guitars and whatever. And uh, I don't know. He seemed pretty chill to me. He was willing to meet me halfway because I was in where I live and he was far away. Did he pull a knife on you, Steve? Uh, he did not pull a knife on me, hmm, but he did um, uh, use a uh, he did use an RV to meet me. <laughs> no way. Like yeah, he showed he, up like in a mini Winnie. Yeah, no, he full, he showed up in like a full on like uh was it like an is it arrow or whatever like a full on like travel RV. That's hilarious to me. I don't um, know why that's so funny. I don't know why either. He's just like an older retired dude. I used to know a family. Oh, well, I still know them, but they don't do this anymore. But they were like a foster parent family. Mm-hmm. So they always had like a dozen kids living in their house. Mm-hmm. Their main vehicle was a Mini Winnie. And What's would, a mini Winnie? It's a miniature Winnebago. No, this isn't like a miniature Winnebago. This is like, like a the full, full size, like not an RV, but the whole thing where it's like, it's like basically like say a Ford E350 uh-huh. in the front with like a freaking, like not a camper shell, but like a full on like, deal in the back. Like it's way bigger than a Winnie. That's crazy. Anyway, so this so this guy's <laughs> so it's he's using threaded inserts and machine screws. In his opinion, they are a big upgrade. I I mean I don't know I, I without honestly I, I I wanted to say without, I mean the problem is always going to be that he's starting out with like squire parts and stuff like that. Right. So and so like it's hard to convince someone to pay no matter what you do to them. They're still always going to be closer to the value of Squire parts, right? And, and the only value the only value that's going to increase is if you have it done for yourself. Yeah. So so and, and, and I, that's not dollar value. That's complete, just intrinsic completely value. Completely agree. You know, in the case of a company like All Parts or Warmoth or moving up the scale, MusicCraft, uh, USA CG, these are all like higher end parts caster brands. Uh-huh. So when you talk about, say, a TMG or a Nash who are ordering custom uh, custom spec necks yeah. from USACG or MusicCraft, I mean, like they're, at- they're ordering a neck that if, if you or I as a consumer said, I want this neck and I want this with a, this particular neck finish, um, whatever, like we're talking about a three or $400 neck. Absolutely. Whereas this guy is buying Squire affinities and stripping them, stripping them down, doing a refinish, uh, doing the threaded insert thing. And then saying effectively that this guitar neck that came off of a guitar that I think in a brand new affinity right now is $179.99. Uh, so this neck that came off of this $180 guitar is equivalent to the neck that you would have to pay three to four hundred dollars for brand new, and it may in fact be quality and playability comparable. Right, because one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the show is that 
what you lack from the budget brands a lot of times is quality control it's and fit and finish and is fit and finish. So if you have the ability to take out completely apart a Squire guitar and put it back together and crown the frets and yeah. finish fix the fret any fret end issues that might exist, it could be a fantastic player. But it doesn't give it the value. You know it, what? It's like it's it's it still started out as a squire neck, and it's like people are still going to see it that way. You know what the best thing this guy could do is what? As part of lie, his, as, say that that it's Warmoth next or like CMG next. No, 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 not not even that. Come up, like actually make make a brand, and and commission his own stuff, and and commission. Well, you know, commi- yeah. he says he doesn't want to commission his own stuff. That's you know, that's effectively what he's saying when he. Right. He's saying, I built all these guitars on spec. Yeah. You know, I built these guitars to my personal liking and I hoped people would buy them and they haven't. I mean, look at, you know, Doug Cower with his Titan series. Mm-hmm. He's having Grover Jackson build the next. And we talked when we talked to Grover Jackson and the person at the booth at Grover Jackson at the culture event, we were like, oh, yeah, Doug Cower's, you know, having next built. And they, and they were like, oh, we don't know if we're supposed to say that. Like, no, Doug is telling everyone that you guys yeah. are making his next. And they're fantastic. And we were like, we're like, no, no, we gave Doug a hug like two months ago. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> and they're fantastic. The, the Titan that we have here is fantastic. Yeah. The neck is great because it's completely to his spec. Right. That's very, very different than taking a Squire Affinity neck and crowning the frets and you know and you know tweaking the truss rod and you know giving it a you know a different finish to to be fair when this guy has listed his own stuff on craigslist it's usually between three and five hundred dollars sure sure which i'm sure from a labor perspective is is that's what if you factor in labor that's what it's worth but the issue is like you said like i could get lucky and go to guitar center or sam ash and pick up a Squire Affinity off the wall that just happened to do everything right. Mm-hmm. And for $180, get the perfect guitar. Well, the big question to me is resaleability. Like, sure, you're going to pay this guy $400 for an Affinity Squire, basically. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to resell it. You're the sucker in the situation. Right. But I mean... And that's, it may be a guitar that plays that well. That might be the case with anything that's parts caster, parts caster related. I guess so. Depending on how patient you are. I mean, every once in a while we see something pop up that is a, you know, a Nash guitar and it's like $1,300, which is like seven or $800 lower than what they were brand new. But nobody is going to pay brand new Nash I mean, again, like that's more of a custom shop thing. So maybe right. it's not necessarily apples and apples. Yeah, that's true. I feel like we should move on to the next ad. Prob. Prob. <laughs> you really are talking like me, Steve. No, prob. That's uh, like short for probably. I, I know. That's a young people thing. You might not understand. I might being, not understand How that. old are you now? 35? I'm 35 now, Steve. You're basically dead. I'm an old person. Yep. So this is a picture that you took, Steve. I did. I took this picture um, about five hours, uh, about six hours ago. So you got off of work early. Yep. For a rare moment in my life, I was actually working outside my house. Yep. And I got off of work late. We could have recorded this podcast at three o'clock in the afternoon. 
Instead, you had to you had to fool around my neighborhood. Yep. For a couple hours, waiting for me to get home. So yep. you went to my local uh, guitar slash music slash trumpet band rental store. Oh, let's talk about that in town. Um, it basically sustains itself by renting trumpets and and marching band equipment to the local high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also the place I bought my first guitar amplifier. And places the place I've bought strings when I was a young guitar player mm-hmm. over the years. Didn't you buy buy something from them pretty recently? I have like been, a mic clip or something. I have been going to them recently for random like microphone accessories that I've needed, and have been completely shocked and amazed when they had them. Like I needed a mic clip. I needed like a foam mic cover. There's not a lot going on. That most of that store is books. It is mostly bare empty. That that store is like 75% library. Yeah, exactly. And it's been that way for decades. But you know why? It, what's different between that store and a library? Please do not play the guitars for more than a few minutes. This is not a jam space. The guitars are not here to practice on or to jam out on. Thank you. This is a picture of an actual sign or printed out piece of paper that you actually took a picture of yeah in the store hanging on the wall and it does not surprise me at all because these people are not in the business of selling guitars well, or so guitar equipment inter- to anyone what's interesting is when i was there the three people who were like working the front desk definitely seemed kind of like alt culture people they I'm- weren't they didn't look like businessy mom and poppy types they kind of they look like they would be way more comfortable at like amoeba records than they were at music central right i will also say that uh somebody was practice was in a violin lesson in the back right while i was there um but they they i had two separate people ask me if i needed any help and i was like no i just haven't been here in like a really long time and i wanted to check out what you guys had going on uh-huh. it's mostly sunlight guitars a handful of ibanez washburn and ltds right uh they did have an orange rocker verb i noticed that last time i was in there that they had some orange amps so i mean uh, the rocker verb is what like 12 1500 i want to say it's a tube amp it's it's up there i also want to bet that the owner of the shop ordered it because they wanted to try it for themselves. They're like, ah, I'll just list it for sale here in the shop. Ah, maybe, but uh, I mean... Um, but this is a type of shop that definitely sustains itself via marching band rentals and music lessons. Yeah, while I was there, there was one guy at the front counter who I think rent was renting. They rent for like different things for like 38 Right. Thirty nine dollars a month. Yeah, their kid was like, "I want to, I want to learn the trumpet," and the dad was like, "All right, if I get this thing, who's going to teach you trumpet?" And he's like, "Because like they have music classes at my school." I wasn't really looking closely. I rented, at them, so. I rented a trumpet from there when I was in the third grade. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know anything about it. My kid's about to get to the age where my my kid's school has a music program. Mm-hmm. Um, don't do trumpet. I kind of want to push her. See if I can push her into like uh, either violin or viola, mm. but that's kind of just because I want an excuse to get one. I would say go for cello. Then she could go from there to 
either direction to guitar or bass. Right, it's because in the middle. Because a cello, like you turn it on its side and then you're like, cello, it's cello. a bass. <laughs> but it's like kind of rides in the middle. Like right. it's, it's, uh, it's range. And people are probably going to disagree with me. But that's based on my experience of playing a cello for an hour at a friend's house one day. Oh my gosh. That I could play guitar parts on it that I was familiar with. But right. it was also a little bit lower. Um. So, so they were there doing the whole rental pitch and like, one of the things that I, I didn't I, I thought was interesting is so what they do is they do they will apply up to three months rental to like the purchase value. Mm. So basically you have three months to figure out whether or not your kid wants to do this like for the rest of their life. Right, right. Um and you know, at thirty eight dollars, what that works out to is uh you can do it, Steve. 24 $114 something like that towards the purchase value of whatever instrument right and they're probably going to um, way overcharge you for that trumpet or saxophone and it's going to be a very used one yeah no it was brand new like the, brand the stuff new? the stuff that they were renting out they were saying like oh yeah this is a br-. they said actually at music central they said they only rent out brand new instruments what that wasn't how it was when i rented an instrument uh decades ago <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the overall, like on the one hand, I get the whole thing of like, I mean, what's worse than going into guitar center. Right. And two thirds of the guitar section is playing, you know, one by Metallica. Right. Well, Well, no, no. One third of the guitar section is playing one by Metallica and the other third. And so you got one third playing one. You've got one third playing, uh, enter Sandman. (laughs) And you got the other third playing uh, Blink One Eighty Two uh, songs. Blink One Eighty Two songs. Yeah, uh, and you've got one percent playing Eric Clapton. Uh huh. Um, so, so I get that, but at the same time, I almost feel like if the signs weren't there and they, for a small shop like that, if they built up a jam session atmosphere, yeah, you know, if that was a place where. On a day like today, where I get off of work early, I was like, "Dude, Ryan, meet me over. Meet me over Music Central. Let's jam it out before we before right. we podcast." And we spent like half an hour doing stupid stuff, and then like maybe I feel a little bad at the end. So if I, we spent only a half an hour of our lives doing stupid stuff, Steve, instead <laughs> instead of spending the hours that we spend been spending recording this podcast, which is that's not, not the point. Not stupid stuff at all. That's not the point. Um, so I'm just saying like, I, I could see that being something where when I was in there, it was basically these people renting band instruments and the rest uh-huh. of the place was empty. They're right next to a high school. Yeah. I well, that's the reason the sign exists is because they're right next to a high school. And you know that there's like five kids at the high school who would come in there every single day. And because they can't do it at home, they would go there and they would just like, riff it up and shred it up and just get as loud as it can every right day. but imagine like if you this wor- sign is for five kids from the it high probably school. is i just i have this ideal world in the back of my head where these kids show up and the people who own the store decide you know the th- two times a year where where these kids buy you know you got three kids in there and two times a year, so you make six sales off of these right. three kids. But like every other year, one of them is buying a guitar, or they're buying, you know, 
the Lincoln Park tab book <laughs> and and a pack of guitar picks that that is somehow worth like the once a week half an hour jam session that these dudes do. I bought I bought sheet music from there one time when I was learning to play guitar. Do you know what I bought? I don't know if I want to know. I bought the theme to Mash. <laughs> Steve just took a direct hit off the Seagram's bottle. <laughs> Suicide is painless. <laughs> You bought a, a copy do, of do, Suicide do, is Painless. Do, 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 do. And I learned things by, by working through that tab. I believe it. I, you I know, think it was probably like a buck and a half or whatever. We talked about this and really not that long ago how I was in I was looking through the, their music today thinking like, man, should I buy some buy one of these? Because I know we talked about recently the fact that like I think I would learn better if I had a book than trying to like just look up right. music on the internet. No, jeez, man, this is rough. We are so sidetracked. We are only two episodes in. Uh, let's get, I mean, two ads in. Let's get to the next one. We've covered this as much as we're going to. All right, I personally love this ad. I'm. I wish we would have done this a couple weeks We've ago. We've been sitting on it a long time. Ampeg eight by ten cab. Ampeg head rack tuner nine hundred dollars. Charlotte, you know what it's called. When you get a new piece of gear and you hold it up in the air and you take a photo. You call it Kyle Smithing, Kyle Hashtag Kyle Smithing. This ad is from Kyle Smith. It says, selling my rig. I don't play live anymore and really don't have a use for it. It's in good shape and in perfect working order. Ampeg 8x10. Ampeg B2R. Head. That was a weird spacing. Korg Rack Tuner. SKB Rack. Do you know what's impressive about this? this uh, hold on. Okay. The covering on the grill is just material and can be easily removed to expose the original grill material. I can remove it for you if you want me to. No. Nope. Uh, there are a few places on the cab where the Tolex is ripped from gigging. This has been an awesome amp and very and is very loud and reliable. Yada, yada, yada. May part out. Don't really care. $900. Um, I've heard really mixed reviews on the Ampeg B2R. I have no idea. I, I don't, don't know anything about ba- base gear. So it's the B2R. It was kind of like their consumer level had decent power, but it, I mean, it wasn't the SVT. Um, it wasn't like the SVT guys. I mean, the SVT, like this, nothing will ever be like the SVT. This cap, What's the SVT? <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this cab grill is a full on, I don't know if this is a screen print. I don't know it if looks it's airbrushed to me. Airbrushed, but it is uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. And this, these base cabs are huge. Eight by flipping ten. Eight, eight ten inch speakers. Yes. This is a huge cab. This will take up like all the visual, all the visual interest. Do you of know this what this stage. is perfect for? What? You play baritone guitar. You are in a doom, uh, oh doom pop, not doom metal, doom pop. You know um, what this is perfect for? What? A face melting solo. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to what's on here. Oh, you said it's, it's the Wicked Witch of the it West. It has an airbre- airbrushed artwork of the Wicked Witch of the West, and it's actually quite good. It looks fan flipping tastic. It's a really good airbrush job. It looks like it. They really nailed her. Like there, we've covered a lot of bad art on guitars yeah. on this show. 
this is like someone really did this really well. I don't know how they pulled it off. Yeah. And it's not and it's not on the grill cloth. It's on an extra piece of fabric that's over the grill cloth. Yeah. Um I This wanna... person is smart and they're cool and they've done a neat thing and it's like it doesn't take away from the value of the cab. And I would love to know the gimmick that this band was traveling with when they had this done. Yeah, I, I don't th- again, I don't think I would use this for like traditional doom. I don't think I would I think I would feel I don't know. I, it would have to be the right bass scenario, but for guitar, like Doom Pop, um, I forget what else. What other? What else? Doom Pop is called. I mean, you know, there's uh, some guy like, out there like like stoner metal, right? Who who would use this and they would run like three fuzzes in a row, exactly. And the, and the last one would be a DoD meat box, and it would just be like just pure sludge, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't even dislike this. I think it's cool. Would I pay $900 for it? Not today. Well, what's the actual value of this cab? Uh, I would say four to 500. Really? That low? Yeah. Ampeg 8x10s aren't like the super most desirable thing in the world. I mean, with, with everything else that we've ever said, I still wouldn't pay for the art for this. You're still only paying for the uh the cab itself you're paying for the actual value of the cab the art the art is it's a personal thing that only has value to the person mm -hmm. who commissioned it for uh reference there's an ampeg svt 450 with an svt 810 Uh cab right now in san diego for eight hundred dollars okay so it's Um, pretty close so this is uh but the svt 450 I think is a more desirable head than the B2R. Hmm. Um, here's somebody. Oh, this guy's like this guy's selling an SVT Classic in eight by ten for two grand. Whoa. Um, here's an eight by ten by itself for six fifty. So that gives you an idea. So six fifty plus the B2R is maybe three hundred dollars. So I I guess I can see nine hundred. Um, I'm not saying that this is necessarily a bad deal. I just think it's more than I would pay. Here's another 8x10 for 600 8x10 for 400 That's a little beat up. So you kind of see these, the 8x10, the problem with the 8x10 is they're, they're a fairly expensive piece of equipment. But they have suffer on the used market because they're freaking huge. They're gigantic. It's the same sort of thing where like if you get on Craigslist and you're looking around for 4x12 cabs, you can pick up a four by twelve cab for like under two hundred dollars, sometimes under a hundred dollars, like all the time, because no one wants them because they're such a pain in the butt to move around. Hold no, on, did you say you could get an eight by ten for under? No, 100? four by twelve. Oh like yeah, a guitar cab. Yeah, like you get a half stack cab. Mm-hmm. People are trying to give them away because they're such. Well, it a, depends on the again. It, it that comes down brand. to the make. Ampeg is like the right the status quo for eight by tens. But then it's like if you try to get a one by twelve guitar cab or even a two by twelve guitar cab, all of a sudden it's like. Oh, yeah. Like all these crazy prices. And it's like half the speakers, but it's because you can actually put it in your car and gig with it without being a stupid jerk to the rest of your band. I don't think I've ever owned a vehicle that I could fit an 8x10 in. No, neither of us have. Well, I used to have a minivan. 
I could have fit it. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, I, I fit a four by 10 and a one by 15 in the civic. Like th- that's like touring musician only level stuff. Or yeah. Like van dude yeah. only van dude. Um, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's, it's funny how the transportability of a speaker cab can affect its value so much. I frequently have moments in time where I wish I still owned a truck. Yeah. I only really transport one child at a time most of the time. You leave the other one at home and just say, Buy sucks herself. for you. Sucks yeah. for you. Sucks to suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, for the most part, like uh, Melissa doesn't go out on her own. If she goes out on her own, I'm at home. We're rarely out on our, both out on our own. You just revealed the, the name of your wife. How do you feel about that? Uh, anyone who's paid attention to this podcast before already mm. knows the name of my wife. Mm. There you go. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, man. It, I just, uh, I wish I had an, ex- I've always been attracted actually since we mentioned it, I've always been attracted to the Ampeg six by 10, same reason for, for what it's worth at this point in my life. I don't have room for either of those in, yeah. in any car that I own. Um, Though I have been looking for an excuse to buy your neighbor's uh, Hyundai, uh, Hyundai. It's gone already. It's gone. She sold it real quick. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. That was way under. It was like $2,000 under. Yeah, Blue Book. yeah. She traded it, I think. <sighs> yeah. So she even sold it cheaper. That's fine. I, yeah. I wasn't really. It was a Hyundai, sales. like smaller. Uh, Tucson. That was the Yeah, one. yeah. Uh, so how do you feel that it's taken us 52 minutes to cover three ads? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just one of those weeks. Let's, uh, let's jump into, let's use like 15 minutes to do a topic tossed salad. <laughs> how do you feel about that? We did a call out for topics on the group. Mm-hmm. Let's just go through them and do them like real quick, like shotgun style. Yeah, let's just go through and toss some salad. Okay. Uh, oh, you know what was great this week? Speaking, Steve wants speak, to toss some salad with speaking me. Speaking of toss salad, oh, uh, you know what was great this week was um, Roni Guitars just got on AV Club for their yeah. cover cover song series. Uh, the band Power Bottom uh-huh. uh, did a cover of... What What was the song they did a cover of? Oh, shoot. I can't remember. Oh, my gosh. I was more worst. excited that I was seeing a Roni randomly yeah. on... Um, I, I found it on a friend... like a. A friend who's not a like a gear friend, they posted it on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, I'll watch this! Oh my gosh, there's a Roni! There's a Roni! There's a Roni!" It was a you know a little stinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the song. It was a '90s song. Oh, it's Counting Crows, Mr. Jones. That's right. Um, so yeah, if you, AV Club's uh, cover series that they do every year, I, it's one of my, actually one of my favorite it's YouTube sets. It's a lot of fun. Um, they they do some songs that are you might not be familiar with. But when they do ones that I am familiar with, I always watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out. Uh, but yeah, Power Bottom is playing Roni guitars. Well, playing one of them is playing the Roni Little Stinker. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Uh, so first uh, topic in the topic, tossed salad, which is mm-hmm. the grossest thing I've ever said. Um, my topic suggestion from Grant Andrews is, tubes, why do most of us not know enough about them? Okay. <laughs> What do you think, Steve? Um, I think a lot of a lot of people think they know a lot about them, but the reality is that in the heyday of the vacuum tube, the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties, there were just many, many manufacturers uh-huh. of the tube. And now, really, there's like from 
from what I have read, there's only like four or five tube factories left in the world. And they're like in Russia because like labor standards are lower. Right. So people can work in areas that have like lead based gas blowing in their face. That's basically my understanding as well. (laughs) Um, I don't, there might be one left in the U S I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, but the reality is, is that while as musicians, we still hold the tube in very high regard. The reality is, is that again, 60, 70, 60 years ago, uh, 1956, uh, our, grandfathers would have had a working knowledge of what tubes they would need every time the TV wouldn't turn on or their radio or the radio or their oven or or their, or any electrical device in their house. (laughs) Whereas now the only people really using vacuum tubes on a day to day basis are guitar players Uh and uh, maybe uh, audio certain audio files. Right. So, it used to be like light bulbs. You're like, oh, I need a 60 watt. Right, right. Oh, I need a, I need a 35 watt. For, oh, I've got this yeah. TV. Like, give me some tubes, yo. Right, homie, right. Homie dog. Yeah, you call up your TV repairman. I've run out of this specific type of tube. Like, come over. And you can find these uh, these tube cases on eBay and other sites that like repairmen would show up with. Yeah. And it would be this whole filing kit system with... Like 50 different types of tubes. Yeah, those things are so cool. Oh, which one do you need? I have this specific model of tube that will fit your television because you have the uh, the Zenith blah, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think... They're just not a part of our lives anymore. I think there's some of that. There are definitely people who uh, will say, and I mean, who am I to argue with them, I guess? Uh, that they can hear the difference between a Shung Yang and an EHX and a Mesa Boogie. Well, what from, from and a Sovtech? From what I understand, like like manufacturing uh, variances give you a variety of different kind of audio qualities from the same factory on the same model of tubes. Sure. And like you know, Electroharmonics has made a whole business of like sorting through tubes and mm-hmm. like picking the right ones and saying which ones are good and which ones are bad. uh, And and I don't know how, I honestly, I don't know specifically how that works for companies like Mesa and EHX. uh I don't know if they are silk, because they all have like their own silk screen on it. Yeah. Is it silk screen, right? Probably. Probably. Whatever, whatever screen printing process they use um, for their tubes. But I always imagine that what happens is EHX says, we want a thousand 12 AX7s, right? To either Sovtech or Shengyang or whatever. Those are like the two main ones. JJ, maybe I don't know. I, 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 offhand, I, I just don't recall. Um, and so they get a thousand tubes in. And I know I've seen EHX's rig, I think they have a video on YouTube where they show how they test all the tubes. So they go through and test all the tubes and say this one's bad, this one's bad, this one's bad. This was this is our spec. This is within our spec again and again and again. Maybe they're doing. Maybe they're not just buying bulk. Maybe they're custom saying, not custom per se, but they're ordering from these factories saying, this is the spec we want. Send us tubes in these specs, and then they test. Right. Them. They do a second round of testing. Um, I don't know, but but you know, for the most part. 
there are guitarists and I've seen a lot of guys. Um, I have been on the JJ's train for a long time. Choo-choo. Really not for any good reason. For bad reasons. Not for any bad reasons. <laughs> just because I've always heard good things about them and, and I've ordered them once or twice and they've worked fine, I guess. But a lot of guys will, I've seen guys who are like, well, I use TADs in uh, 12AX7 V1 and V2, but I use only a new old stock RCA in V3 on this amp. And all of my power tubes are Sovtex. So it's like, it'll be like this super specific. Yeah. It's actually really interesting to me how people develop their own tastes to where it's not about like using a high-end tube versus a low-end tube. But there, there are guys tube. who have spent enough time to, to figure out specific tubes where they're like, yeah, I want this really high-end tube for this position. But in the power amp section, like I'm not using power amp distortion. So I just want whatever's going to make my stuff loud. And, I, and, right. and this works. So that's what I'm going to use. It's not worth it to me to spend the extra t- five or $10 a tube to get something that air quotes sounds better, but doesn't make a difference between because I never push my amp into the territory where it makes a difference. Right. Right. I, it's, it was funny to me that I, I got that fender tube reverb unit. Mm hmm. And uh, I posted a, the picture of it at various different places. And on a few different places, I got people like saying, oh, make sure you try it with this tube because it's a reissue and you need to get the right tubes in there. Yeah. Like, I like the way it sounds right now. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to go monkeying around with it until I become dissatisfied? But then there's endless amount of, you know, forums out there where people are like, oh, I tried it with this tube. I tried it with that tube. I did all this stuff. Why did you just, why did you just pull the back off that sticker, Steve? Oh, there you go. Put it on your phone. Perfect. I've got a stack of stickers out here, and Steve just adorned his phone case with a 60-cycle hum sticker. Don't be a hater. I'm now a all hater. of my coworkers that don't play guitar will know that I'm affiliated with 60-cycle hum. But it's, it's, there's definitely like a cult of the tube thing going on. Like people have very strong feelings about certain tubes for certain applications, mm-hmm. but then there's a lesser degree of the cult of the tube it's kind of like Scientology, and not to offend anyone if you're a Scientologist, but uh, your religion sucks and you should leave it. Um, <laughs> but it's like you have your initial like joining, and then you get deeper and deeper and deeper, and that's the way tubes are. Like the initial joining is like, oh, I'll only play a tube amp, and there's some people who will only play a tube amp, and they're like, tube amps are the only thing that I'm interested in, but they still have no idea which tubes they like and which. They don't. Sure. And then you have the deeper value of people who are like, oh, these are like my specific tubes and I won't buy a tube amp that doesn't use these kind of tubes. Right. And if I get an amp that doesn't have that set of tubes, then I'm going to like figure out how to put my tubes in. Well, for what it's worth, I'm I'm a little bit in that conundrum. I haven't had any time to really work on the Fendler, but I'm in this position where it's like, if I get it up and if I get it working i still haven't seen this thing in person really yeah the fendler i'll bring it over next time we record or, okay. or next time we hang out i mean it doesn't work yet it doesn't well i just need to buy a fuse i just haven't right, right. it's people who we'll pull a fuse I, out of my car and stick it half in there. our audience just rolled their eyes no it's a different fuse there's the same part of our audience that waited for stickers for weeks 
Phil. <laughs> the one guy. Right, right. Um, Everyone, Steve. Phil anyway. was the only one. Phil was the voice of the, of the people that complained. That amp has a bunch of old Russian tubes in it. Uh-huh. Um, but you could probably get money for it. I thought about that too. Um, but uh, I'm really concerned that I get it up and running and it powers on and everything works and it passes a signal, but it sounds like garbage and the solution is new tubes. Right. Because there's like 11 tubes in it. Yeah. And it's going to cost you a bunch of money to get yeah. it running. Oh, geez. All right. Like, watch Craigslist for some guy who's got one of those tube cases. Yeah. What's next on the uh, topic list? Uh, okay. Um,. Paul Pennington says, cannot wait. Oh, Adam Dolhanik says, uh, talk about pots, 2K, 5K. What does it all mean, Basil? All right. So without- also, how does it work with pickups? I'm wondering in regards to the Titan, if you switch loaded pickguards, how does it affect pots? How do pots affect them? Uh, 2K, 5K, Steve. What do you think? <laughs> well, I've never used a 2K or a 5K pot when wiring your guitar. I don't know if I've ever seen pots that sl- that low. I'm sure they exist. I think oh, I'm positive they exist. Uh maybe they're that's what you find as the uh like the internal trim pots. Maybe that's the value. Trim pots are the same as external. Really? They're just uh small. I'm sure there's pots that exist that give you that range. But I think he's talking about 250 versus 500. Right. Um, You've had the Titan apart. And actually, what I would love to do Mm -hmm. down the road, whenever you get to making videos, let's do the video. Let's do a video where we do a pickguard swap. I'm planning on making it part of my official demo where I do a time lapse showing how long it takes to do a pickup swap. What I would love to do with that is um, have me do it blind. Oh my god! Not like not you're like, gonna scratch the guitar no, up no, so not, bad. Not like blindfolded. I say blind, like without any, because you've done it already. Yeah, yeah. So presu- you said you did it the first time in ten minutes. Yeah. So presumably you could do it faster. Absolutely. But I haven't done it at all. So whenever you get around doing it, I think it would be interesting to have me do it without any pre knowledge. Okay. Of, of how it works. Is you that can- like pre crime? Yes, minority report. <laughs> uh, so maybe you can give me some tips in terms of like, or maybe you have it. Did you did you have to loosen the strings? So Doug Cower gave me the tip of loosening the neck so that the neck could, first you loosen the strings and you loosen the neck so mm-hmm. the neck can bend out and give you room. I did that and then loosening the neck didn't give me enough space to get the pick guard off. Okay. So what I ended up doing within my 10 minutes, because I loosened the neck a little bit, Okay. It's like, this isn't helping. I initially loosened the strings. And then what I did is I realized that the bridge itself is held in by four screws. Oh, my God. So, so I loosened the four screws on the bridge. It's like a Telecaster half-style yeah, like half bridge. I loosened the four strings on the bridge, four screws on the bridge. And that lifted the bridge up enough that yeah. I could get the pickguard out very easily without making any kind of rough contact with the body. Mm-hmm. And it was very quick to do that. All right, so, so here's what we'll do. I want you to think about what you did. Mm-hmm. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Sure. I want you to think about what you did. And we- I could have cut the time in half by using a uh, power tool to do the screws. Because <laughs> I did it all by hand screw. Now, would you say that you would use a uh, a drill or, or say like a four and a half volt screwdriver? It Use whatever you want to loosen the screws because that doesn't matter. Sure. But... 
when you're putting the screws back in, especially on the pick guard, definitely mm-hmm. use something that has a torque adjustment so that you don't strip out those okay. holes. So, so what I was going to say is, is come up with like an instruction set that you will give me okay. and then I'll just do it and we'll see how long it takes. Yeah. And of course we'll time lapse it, but if, if we have some kind of stopwatch, that would be cool. So as the time lapse happens, there's a, there's something that's ca- capturing real time. Right. Um, that being said, the Cower Titan pit guards or the Titan by Cower pit guards, everything's included. So whatever pots you need are just for a particular set of pickups. What Doug is already recommending those. I'm assuming you could get Doug to just cut you the pit guard without pickups included. Like if you said, I just want a strap pit guard, right? You could order it without pickups included. And I don't know what he would charge. You'd have to ask him Mm -hmm. and you could do your own setup. But getting back to the original question, generally speaking, yes, 250K pots for single coils Correct. is a standard. 500K pots for humbuckers is a right. standard. Right, and the reason for that is because humbuckers are 500K. Um, from what I remember, 500K is going to allow a little more highs through, which in the uh-huh. case of a humbucker is something that you need. Um, one meg, I know guys who like really like one meg pickups, but again, you're letting like everything through. Uh And then there's people who go back and forth between linear taper and audio taper and things. Well, I mean, that's more about, um, if you're, if you're doing everything at 10, it doesn't matter. That's more about, um, whether, uh, what you want your field to feel like. So with a, with a linear taper, uh, you're, you're more prone to, uh, like a f- quick drop off, or with an audio taper, they use a logarithmic drop off, so uh, it should be a little smoother through the path. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next question because I feel like we've nailed this. We nailed that down so hard. Steve. Boom, roasted. Yeah, <laughs> super roasted. Uh, Adam Dolhane asked a couple questions setting up your guitar for dummies. Uh, that's simple. Go look online. You'll figure it out. Set uh, up your guitar for dummies. You know what I do when I want to set up my guitar? You get a dummy to do it. No. You take it to Sean Hutchinson. I take it to Sean Hutchinson's at Hutchinson's Guitars. I mean, honestly, a lot of this stuff is super easy. Look up uh, information online. You'll be able to figure it out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of details we can cover, but it's like all this stuff is, it's not like you have to buy special tools. If you have a screwdriver, if you have an Allen wrench set, you can do most of this stuff. Literally with a screwdriver, a, a Phillips head screwdriver and a, I would say two Allen wrench sets, depending on whether or not you need metric or you right, right. or Imperial. <laughs> um, you can do all of your setup work with those two tools. Absolutely. Um, now that's not, if you have some serious issues in terms of, you know, you need a fret crown, you need to, yeah. Do this for that. If or your whatever. neck is twisted, not bent, twisted. Yeah, you you're need not going to be a professional. Yeah. But if all you need to do is adjust your uh, truss flex and set the action, you should be able to do it with a Phillips head screwdriver and a uh, hex set that is appropriate for your instrument. Absolutely. And all, every piece, uh, all the saddles on your bridge. You should be able to adjust yeah. that with very simple tools. I can already tell you with with the Godin, spend a day experiment with the Godin radio that I I have. Um, I'm expecting to be able to fix a lot of the issues I have with it with maybe a half turn. Yeah, go to Harbor of a, of a truss rod. Go to Harbor Freight. Spend under ten dollars, and you've gotten all the tools you need. 
Mm-hmm. Like seriously. Uh, next question he asked. Next, uh, next radius and scale and stuff. I have stubby fingers. What kind of neck should I get? I'm gonna literally read the result. My response that I posted on the Facebook group. Your response is dumb, but go ahead. You think it's dumb? It says, "I think." In quotes, you have short fingers thinking is just a way for salespeople to sell certain guitars. Play the guitar that feels good to you. I think playing style has more to do with with things than uh, finger dimensions. No one has fingers small enough for mandolin, but still people play them somehow. Uh, I mean, I've got giant hands. Not giant, but I have fairly good-sized hands. One of my like favorite guitars that I love to death is the duo Sonic, which has like a pick, like a toothpick style neck. It's very small. As the owner of two small children, I will say that some people do have mandolin sized hands. Those are children though. <laughs> they don't count. They can't even vote yet, Steve. Um, but uh, then, but then like, look at, look at, you know, class example. Sure. Angus Young playing mm-hmm. an ASG, he's a little guy playing a guitar that has a very large and open feeling neck that's classically a thick neck. Unless it was a 60s Gibson neck, which was faster. It doesn't matter. It's still thinner. Like it's still a big thin, neck. Fast, fast, thin, thin, fast. <laughs> the thinner you are, the faster you are. I mean, by that that's logic, true. by that logic, Angus Young should be playing a duosonic. Right, and and I get what you're saying. There are definitely um, taste things to take into um, consideration. I mean, guitar is different from piano, and I know in like in piano, like being able to have like an octave stretch on your hand is like a very useful right. thing. But like on guitar, who has an octave stretch? So, um, uh, Andy Summers does. Whatever. All of the all of the police riffs were octave chords. Like he was playing the octave in the fifth. But you can play an octave without stretching an octave across one string. You can play an octave with a power chord shape on a guitar. Uh right. I'm sorry. He wasn't you're right. He wasn't playing octave. He was playing root, fifth, and second. Right. That's the message in a bottle riff. Right. But and, still, it's, and a it's lot a big, of a, it's, literally that is referred to as the Andy Summers chord. Right. It's a big spread. I get it. Yeah. But it's still um, like it's guitars is and on, let's be honest, popular guitar music as a discipline doesn't require a lot from you. Sure. There are definitely things that are um, advantageous to people with stubby fingers um, based I don't want to say um, Fender short scale is right out, but the part of the reason the guy that I, you know it's it's ironic. Is it ironic? It's at least I really do think <laughs> it's, at le- too it's at least ironic. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> it's at least funny looking I really back. Do think so. I I I got a Jack Stang right. It's like, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Trying to say something intelligent here. No, you're not. Um, the Jack Sting that I own, I, I got it from a guy who uh, played. As far as I know, he was the first owner. He played the literally the fretware that is on that guitar. That's not for me. That's right. from the previous owner. Um, but when I bought that, he was like, oh, yeah, there's just like, you know, 
I never really bonded with this guitar. And he showed me his hands, and they were like the shortest stubby fingers I've ever seen. Uh-huh. And he was saying, and "You've how, seen a lot of stubby short fingers." It's true. Uh, he was saying how um, it just like it always was a little uncomfortable for him. The Jackson being a twenty-four inch radius, seven or sorry, twenty-four inch scale, seven point two five inch radius. The the classic. Uh, so that's the classic Fender radius with a with the Fender shortish scale, the Jaguar Mustang scale. Um, so he said for him, like it always felt too cramped. I think for like lead work, and I definitely get where he's coming from because the Jackson for me even is having thinner fingers. That's a hard guitar to go high on for. Cowboy chords and whatever, like the 7.25 inch radius is very comfortable. So there's definitely a lot of personal taste. I mean, you look at an Ibanez guitar, you're looking at a flatter radius, you're looking at a thin neck. Lots of people love them. Yeah. You throw in a set of good Strat pickups or good whatever pickups are your preference, and it's going to sound exactly like what you want with the comfort level that you may or may not want. I would be afraid of the music you would make if you owned a wizard neck. Me? You. Yeah, I would be it would be out of control. Out. I would never stop shredding. <laughs> yeah. Um we're running a pretty I don't long care. time here. You don't care, Steve. You know what? I don't care either. Good. Let's finish this. What's the next question? I've I've been going through there's a lot of questions here because we you did every time we do a call for Podcast topics. We get a lot. Let's of do them all. Stuff. Let's do every single every one. Every single one. Well, let's get into yes and no questions then, or like really quick. I know Aaron. We'll, Abubo, we'll trade back and forth. I know Aaron Abubo did the moron high school journalist thing. Who, what, when, where, why? Okay, Steve. I want a hard. I want a hard yes or no question on answer on this one. Okay. From Cole Duke. What are your thoughts on heavy-handed legal threats for or against? You know what that dude's from Sixty Cycle Slum. Which I respected a lot more than Gear Slum. <laughs> so is that a yes or a no? It's not a yes or no question. For it's not my against. fault Ryan Burke is a moron. For or against, Steve? I am for, except in the conditions where I'm against. Okay. Uh, we already answered the question he asked about a little stinker. Uh, who will rage quit post Wheel of Pedals from Dave Nolette? Hmm. Who's the person who sent in the Dreamcatcher <laughs> and then won the tuner? <laughs> um, it looks like Paul Pennington will be rage quitting the group next, which sucks because that means we'll be losing. Right, right. Um, Paul Pennington's a good guy. I like Paul Pennington. Yeah. And there's questions about 60 cycle slum. Uh, we already answered all that. Um, you know what? Those guys decided not to make fan episodes anymore, but they're still in our group. I mean, if they were really not fans, like one of the guys stopped listening to our old episodes. And so they were just doing it off of memory. I knew that whole thing wasn't sustainable. We already talked. about It's a this. scam. <laughs> you know what? If you're one of the 75 people who are listening to or one of the 27 people who listen to it 
there's like there's people in the group and then there's we see the numbers of who listens no to there it. was like 75 is there 75 yeah okay yeah. okay they yeah. act i was impressed by the number of listeners that they had you know what what it is is it's phil just listening to his voice over and over again the same that's episode. probably true phil um jason fuzzmonger who has the best uh, avatar on Facebook imaginable. The red lightning bolt? No, the upside down Facebook logo that makes a J and an F for his name. Is it red? It's like pink. Okay, Jason red, Fuzzmonger. Right. I have been looking at his f- Facebook avatar for like a while and been wanting to compliment it. This is my official compliment. What? what? I don't understand. Why, why is that cool? Because it's his name, J and F, in the Facebook logo and oh. upside down. I never thought about that. It's incredible. It's brilliant. He asks, least favorite guitars you've owned and why? What fueled you into buying it? Any redeeming qualities? When, if you got rid of it, was it a lost profit or break even? I'm going to throw this out quickly and say I had a Fernandez sustainer guitar. I remember that. That I bought from a pawn shop and I got a great deal on it and I flipped it. Thank goodness. Uh, I had fun with it for a couple months. And then at a certain point, I was like, these pickups sound dead, and I never use the sustainer uh, part of this for anything functional. The guy who bought it from me was had like just a super hard-on for the sustainer system, and he was all nerdy about it. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, here's how I use it, and here's what this does, and I'm buying this as you know, like a backup to my other one, and it just you know, I use this all the time. I just couldn't bond with it. Sure. Do you have anything quick? Uh, I'm going to say... I want to say Mexican jazz bass. Every time somebody says like, oh, I'm going to buy Mexican jazz bass, all I hear is mud. Um, I enjoyed-ish the Mexican jazz bass that I owned. Uh-huh. I mean, I paid $300 for the bass and an amp, and the amp survived my life, my usage a lot longer than the bass did because I still own the amp, but I don't no longer own the bass. And the bass, well, actually, once I put EMGs in it, I liked it. So, uh, EMG haters suck it. I used EMGs. You did use EMGs for bass. They are fantastic for guitar. I'm still. I'm know. on the fence. Uh, that being said, the other answer I guess could be the Miltone because I never bothered to put the work into make it awesome. Instead, we're gonna I'm gonna pull the pickups and we're gonna retire it. Uh, that being said, really the answer to this question is Epiphone Les Paul Junior. <laughs> um, you sold I, that recently, right? I did. That should have been in What's New. I sold it. Uh, fantastic story. I sold it for $100, even though I was only asking 80 That no, is I, incredible. Sorry. I asked 100 I agreed to 80 and the guy still gave me $100. Um, it's a dream come true. It was a really cool guitar. And actually, I did a full setup before I sold it. And after I did the setup, I was like, man, why am I selling this? That it's, setup is what made the guy push it up to 100. He's like, "Yeah, this feels good." I uh, I thought it sounded good, it played good, but at the end of the day, I wanted that neck pickup position with the P90, so the LP Junior wasn't doing it for me. That it's hard for me to pick that as a worst because I only paid whatever eighty dollars for it seventy seventy eighty dollars. I don't remember. Um, but I don't. I don't have a ton of gear regrets. Good. Me either. I kind of don't. I don't have a lot of regrets either, Steve. No regrets. Let's get it tattooed across our faces, <laughs> cheek to cheek. Our, no, no one one side regrets on the other. Yeah, side. Yeah, regrets. Uh, hold on, hold on. I gotta remember. 
R A G R E T S regrets. <laughs> okay, do we really want to keep going? We're at yeah. an hour, we're in an hour twenty two. Ryan, keep going. My Let's kids, keep going. my kids probably already asleep, so it doesn't so it matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, who if would, you're afraid of your wife, I will give your give I'm her not a, a hug for you. I'm not afraid, but I owe her after to, after today and tonight. Uh, who would win in a squirt gun fight, Ryan or Steve? I think I would. I think it really depends on what you count as winning. Steve just took another direct hit off my Seagram Seven bottle. Why? Why is a good question. <laughs> uh, it. How do you define the winner in a squirt gun fight? I say you define the winner by the level of fun that they had, which in that case, I think you still would probably be the winner. <laughs> uh, I don't know. In that case, uh, I would say that you might have a chance at winning. Uh, you I think was, I could possibly have more fun? You might be able to have more fun. Um, I was going with the uh, Galaxy Quest um, standard Brilliant of winning, movie. which is uh, never give up, never, never surrender. surrender. In that case, I would win. By Glathar's hammer, I will avenge you. Um, I was just thinking the other day that that's one of the best Star Trek movies there is. Oh my god, <laughs> Galaxy! I, you know what? I'm going to go home tonight, and if that movie is still on Netflix, I'm going to put I it think on. It is. It's really good. Galaxy Quest is legitimately like a really good movie. <laughs> I wish there was a sequel. I wish J.J. Abrams would reboot it. (laughs) (laughs) It has Sigourney (laughs) Weaver in it. (laughs) Only good movies have Sigourney Weaver in it. Truth. And mostly bad movies have Tim Allen in it. But this was a good movie that had Tim Allen in it. And a ton of other really good people. I could talk all night about Galaxy Quest. I really... I, I, you know... uh, and both of us, I think, have claimed it. Uh, oh, the guy who... Name it uh, and claim it, Steve. Hold on. Yes. Uh, the guy who did Galaxy Quest also did the mo- did the re- the remake of the movie Fun with Dick and Jane, which I also enjoyed. That the, was a remake? The Jim Carrey one. That was a remake? That was a remake. What was, when was the original from? I don't know. Uh, 1977. I had no idea that was a remake. Yeah. Um, the original um I'm, I'm not sure uh the original had george seagal and jane fonda in it i'm not Interesting. sure who, who george, george seagal is. That up. but i really enjoyed fun with dick and jane i love how we've shifted to this from shut sp- your mouth from I'm a squirt gun fight at question galaxy quest at for myself as like a huge fan like galaxy quest as much as we say like it's a star trek spoof it's really a tng spoof oh yeah um and I I love TNG. Yeah, the next generation. The next generation. I am the next generation. But it definitely it it leans heavy on uh the original series too. In parts. Yeah. Yes. Um anyway, what's the next question? <laughs> this is going to be the longest episode we've ever done. Well, you know if you're really worried about Ryan, you can I'm go through I'm not worried about it. I'm you can go through time. and edit out the parts that you don't like. Oh my gosh, there's no parts I won't like, Steve. Coach Snyder asked the merits of hashtags. Did you know that hashtags were invented during a big fire in San Diego? I don't Oh, um you're in terms of 
In terms of the, the first time hashtags the, were the used, inter, in terms of the internet use, the, of the first hashtag? time hashtags were used as a way to search for a common piece of information on the internet had to do with the mm. San Diego fire. The 2003 or the 2007? I can't remember, but it was one of them. And someone just had the idea like, I'm going to put a hashtag in front of this and it's going to make it so other people can find it. The practice took off after hashtags used in tweets relating to the 2007 San Diego forest fires. See, you found it on the internet. That being said, I have started using uh, the term Octothorpe. What? Octothorpe uh, is the formal um, term for term the, the hashtag. To describe a hashtag. You're so um, obnoxious, Steve. That's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. What are you talking about? Well, basically, um, what this came about from is is a few. I don't want to hear. Next question. (laughs) Bubo asks new Fender short scale offsets. I don't know what he's talking about. The new Mustangs and Duosonics. Are they short scale? They're short scale. Like 24 or 20, 24. I think there's a longer more. version of short scale. So they're, not like my, they're not like my Duosonic. They're Mustang scale. Right. So 24. Um, they look cool to me. Right now, my hands are a little swollen, so I probably wouldn't be able to play them. I'm looking forward to trying them out at NAMM. Uh, the Aren't pedal, they already out? Dave Nolette asks, the pedal that's most on your want list despite never having played it. Oh my gosh, Steve is pouring whiskey directly in a cup. Are you ever going home tonight, Steve? I could drive right now. No. We're gonna I'm gonna feed you something before you go home. That's too much whiskey. We're gonna Steve. go get some burritos? I'm down. Or I already had hamburgers. Can today. you drive? I can drive right now. Let's go get some burritos. Okay, we'll get burritos. <laughs> uh I think the last time we went out for burritos after an episode, we came up with a wheel of pedals. <laughs> That's true. I'm actually not too bad right now, but I will see after that whiskey you just poured. Um, The pedal that's most on your want list, despite never having played it. I actually am really interested in the uh, in the uh, the new TC Electronic pedal that does um, like a doubled recording sound. Did you see anything about uh, that? I forget what it's called, but isn't that basically the Keeley 30 millisecond? But the the Keeley, the Keeley Mer, Mil, ugh, I can't even say it. It's a tongue twister. The Keeley 30 millisecond is more of a straight delay, just a very, very short delay, mm-hmm. where the TC electronics sounds like it does something to the signal to make it sound like it is a doubled or even tripled, like multi-layered recording. Whatever happened with the Nautila? Weren't we supposed to get one of those? Which one was the Nautila? The chorus. Oh, from Digitech. Oh, sorry, that you're right. That's Digitech. I don't know. I haven't heard from the guy. I did the the, the demo of the Carcosa and Digitech rep on uh, the gear page said he was going to send me a Nautila, and it never happened. We've paused the episode. I'm listening to Steve in the bathroom, just a few rooms over from me, having a horse-sized piss in the toilet. I hope you enjoy this commentary. Steve doesn't know is being recorded, uh, and when he comes back, he won't even know, and then someday he'll hear it on the episode. Okay, so Steve looked it up real quick. It's called the 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 mimic, yeah, or the mimic. The I mean, it's got a Q at the end, so I think it's mimic. That's how I want to say it. Uh, TC Electronic calls it a tonal python. 
uh, Mimik Doubler u- ushers in a new era for live guitar doubling. I really want to try it. I feel like I would use this in place of like a chorus type effect. It sounds like it really like fills out your signal, but not in like a pitch modulated way, more in like mm-hmm. just it kind of doubles everything, but then also like kind of warps it in, in different ways. Uh, I'm not interested in reproducing the sounds of like studio recordings, but I'm interested in what this could do for like, like stomping this on this instead of like stomping on a boost for a solo or something like my that. My favorite, you know? my favorite thing you go to the TC electronic site for the Mimik. He's got a p- picture of Misha Mansoor from the band Periphery. I don't know any of these things. All right. So all you need to know is he's in the band Periphery. It's a pro- prog metal band. Okay. They do it a lot of like, you know, prog metal, right? right? Prog metal. He's wearing a Caroline Kilobyte shirt. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> shirt from a competing company. Well, not competing. Are, are, no, any, not of these com- are any of these com- companies competing with each other? No. Yes, but not yes, really. But, yes, but no, but yes. They're friendly with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just thought that was funny. Um, At least I think they are. You never know what backside drama is going on. Sure. Let's move on to the next question. We are at an hour 31 minutes. This is officially our longest episode ever, I think. No. What's our longest episode? I don't know, but probably, probably the 100th episode that was a three-parter because <laughs> it was like four hours long. Well, that was three parts. So it doesn't count. No, it was only like two hours and 45 minutes. Right. Okay. Zach Wright asks, when being a build-it-yourself guy goes too far, uh, hashtag, that- hashtag I may be guilty. <laughs> um, the moment that you've gone too far is the moment where you no longer, well, I think it's just when it's a detriment to the quality of of gear that you could have for much more affordable. No, the moment the moment that you've gone too far is the moment that you realize that nobody recognizes the real the resale value that you think you have. Absolutely. You've put more money into your projects than they're worth. And you're losing money every time you flip them because you just want to keep building projects so you keep building new things and keep flipping them but you're losing money each time because you're chasing like this project dragon that you'll never project to, dragon. You'll never be able to fulfill the, the, the sensation that you want to achieve. All right, let's move on. We've got a lot. We've got, if we're going to do these all, it's going to be ridiculous. There's not that many. There's only like okay. five selling unused gear versus throwing it in a box and pretending that you'll find a purpose for it someday. You know, it's tough for me. I have a handful of, pedals. Oh, that's from Igor Mackey, by the way. Yeah. A local guy that I still have not met in person. Really? Yeah. If I had met Igor in person by now, I would have invited him to my birthday party. I'm just saying, mm, maybe you should have invited him to your birthday party anyway. I know. I kind of wish I did. Maybe if you weren't such a raging douche, I'm just a total dick bag. Um, I would say that. What was by this point? My birthday party is legendary. It really wasn't that great. I heard Aaron Abula was there. Yeah. David Choti was there too. Mm. Phil wasn't invited and uh, Cole Duke wasn't invited. I so. would say <laughs> no big deal. That um, the the issue with issue air quotes again. Um, I have a lot of things that I just have in a box. Um, yeah, me too. Right now on my board, every time a picture comes up, there's always a Matthews effects aviator. You know why? This isn't. This is not intended as an insult because it's not. Right. Because Matthews is 
in business. The Aviator is a product that is great. I really like that boost. Um, but I already had a boost that basically filled the same purpose, but the company wasn't in business anymore. Business. That's what I said. You said business. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, Seagrams. But the issue is that like, at the end of the day, you have to have things that make sense on your pedal, pedal board to get Instagram likes. That's true, and it's part of our business these Un- days. Unfortunately. Right. So um, we're sold out a little bit is what you're admitting A, a little to. bit. Because I could put together a pedal board. I could, well, when we launched this show, I could have put together a pedal board. 26 where, years ago. 26 years ago. Um, no, like. Two and a half years ago. Uh-huh. Which is a long time in podcast. I could world. have put together a board that I would have been happy with that either only had major manufacturers or pedals that nobody has ever heard of. Right. Because those companies aren't in business anymore or because they're just guys who just made one pedal. And Small done. builders. Like my uh, my Fuzz, right? Yeah. The, the Foxtone clone. It just sounds a, incredible. Exactly. It's a, it's a Foxtone machine clone. It's fantastic it's on point for sure um so in turn um i think there there is that drive to i guess get those likes on instagram get some attention as as long as you can you can uh you can make it work in your favor Um, i mean a boost is a boost is a boost there's boosts that i love and there's boosts that i don't like but let's be honest at the end of the day they just boost volume right right so um I don't know. You know, it's... Uh, that's a long piece of silence. I don't even know how to answer it. Let's move on. Uh, favorite Pauly Shore films? You know what? For I s- haven't seen... The only the only Pauly Shore film that I have seen from beginning to end, Biodome. Biodome is, I'd say, is the classic... And that and Encino Man are like the two classic Pauly Shore films, in my opinion. But I've got to say, I have this secret like hankering inside of me to watch a movie that was like one of the first movies I watched with like friends in the theater when I was Mm -hmm. a teenager growing up. And I don't think I've seen it since, but I remember it being funny, even though it probably isn't, is In the Army Now. Which was like another Pauly Shore movie that... Wait, he was in that? Could have had the same script as any other movie, but it just came out at the right time where Pauly Shore was huge. I'm pretty sure it was Pauly Shore as the main guy in the army now. Mm, I, I honestly... I, I don't remember. You, uh, Google it real quick, and we'll move on to the next question. That was from Aaron Abubo, and he, and he asked a bunch of questions. Uh, worst Adam Sandler lines... Uh, I think the worst Adam Sandler lines are probably, oh, I've got a new idea for a movie. And then he pitches, he says that to someone who get, has the ability to give him money to make Yikes. another movie. Uh, next question from Aaron Mabubo. Representation of Native Americans in 1980s German cinema. You think I've watched 1980s German cinema? Yeah, I'm not familiar enough with German cinema. I, I will say that um, I do think... So in the army now had Andy Dixon. Oh, Paul and Polly Shore. I don't. Remember I don't remember either. Andy Dick in it, but I remember Polly Shore in it. I guess I remember um, Andy Dick. Yeah, he was in there. I would need some specific examples of 
Native Native, Native. American <laughs> Native American representation in eighties German cinema. I feel like it's just up. a thing he made up. Okay, next question: Flag football versus two hand touch. Also from Aaron Abubo. Contextual. Uh, uh, two hand touch sounds way sexier to me. <laughs> Usually, I mean, I guess it depends on who I'm playing with. Usually, there are no females playing two hand touch. Uh, Sorry, Ryan. Okay, never mind then. Uh, what sport does Ryan hate the least? From Dave Nolette. Uh, I think it's easy to say surfing because I actually do that one. You know, but then I'll also say I am not a, I do not engage in spectator sport as far as surfing goes. Like I do, I cannot tell you if I've ever watched a surfing contest all the way through because I have not. Right. We always play this up for you. You're not a team sports person. Absolutely not. Um, but as far you love the Olympics, I do love the Olympics. summer and winter. Yes. So I love individual sports. So there are sports you love when it's individual achievement. I think more than sports itself, what you do not enjoy is the potential for douchebaggery involved in team sports. What I think I like, what I think I like about Olympic sports and like single, like achievement sports, like single person achievement sports, mm -hmm. is. Uh, I mean, I I criticize team sports a lot for douchebaggery. I'm like, oh look, here's a team full of rapists, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, the reality of it is, I just I enjoy those single person sports because I don't have to be invested. Right. It's not a whole team. I don't have to get into the statistics. I don't have to get into the, all the information. I'm just I'm still the same level of interested. Right. Which well, is not really at all, but with like a single person sport, I can be like, oh, I can watch this one person try to beat a world for, record. For one month. Or try to beat their own personal record or try right. to beat individuals from other countries. Where it's like team sports is just so daunting to me. I don't care about the goal of the sport. I don't care about the team aspect. I don't care about where the people originally came from or what their stats are. Right. Um, it's just, a, it comes from a general what, disinterest. I would say what... My my response to that would be, what is your thought on the SNL sketch? Duh, bears. I'm so tired of it. Right. So I, th I think the reason the Olympics works for you is because for the most part, with the exception of, say, Michael Phelps or Ryan, all new stuff. Or Ryan Lochte, you, you have a new set of people to root for. You're not rooting for and an, it's all every an, two years. an individual. Whereas if you are a fan of Dub bears. Right. It's every year you have to watch Jay Cutler suck nuts over and over again. I mean, that sounds sexy, but not my brand of sexy. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, how's this fantasy high dive team doing from Dave Nolette? I have no idea. That was a joke. Is it synchronized? The, or Eric, is it regular high diving? Eric Munson wants to know. I, that was a joke. I don't actually follow high diving. Um, What's the deal with people making nachos with shredded cheese? Are they really nachos? Dave Nolette wants to know. Aaron Adububo asked the original question. Um, if you make them at home, that's just what you do. Yeah. If right? You, I'm I, not going to buy a freaking can of nacho cheese just so I can make one bowl of nachos. I mean, here's the thing I wrestle with. I mean, we veered so far away from gear. I don't care. Fine. But like the good nacho cheese is honestly the bad. Like nacho K Bueno? Cheese. 
It's like you don't get the. Are bat- you talking about K Bueno? I'm talking about the big can from Costco. Yeah, K Bueno. Yeah, or any big can from like, you Smart and Final. Another si, brand. Senora. Uh, if you get the little can, it's not as good. Like if you get like the craft, or I mean like Campbell, like Tostitos, Campbell's little can, or Tostitos, eh, little, Tostitos, the little jar from Tostitos. Sure, it's not as good. There's something magical about that big can where you're like. I will never be able to finish this much nacho cheese True. in my entire life. But for one glorious week, I'm going to put it on everything until I decide that I should probably play, throw away this mysterious plastic goop. That is the best nacho cheese. I've been in this weird place where like, I'm really craving it, but I just can't bring myself to buy that big can because I know it's going to destroy my health for like probably six months of my right, life. Right, I can do that once, but right. every day. You have to have a party. Like right. a fifty-person party. That's the beauty of popcorn. You can eat it every day, and you never get tired of it. Exactly. Well, you might All get right. tired of it, but it's not going to kill you. I had a question for you: beans, refried or whole? You don't have that question. That question is all from also from Aaron Abubo, who is asking us every single question that comes to his head. Uh, re- when I get eat refried beans, I prefer black refried beans. You know I, what? You know what I think about this? What? Pork canelos. Why not both? Exactly. I also really enjoy whole beans, but when they're whole beans, they could literally be any kind of bean. Who? Okay, let's not ask these questions. What? When? Where? Why? Also, all from Aaron Aaron Abubo took a... uh, Apparently took English 101 in college. Well, I think Aaron Abubo uh, snorted a gigantic line of cocaine before (laughs) tackling... Damn. (laughs) Tackling this thread on Facebook because he's got about 50,000 questions. Uh, 50,000? How many more do we have? This is going to take us all night, Steve. Let's That's pick, all right. Let's pick two more. We're in an nope, hour. Nope, we're doing them all. No, Steve, we're in an hour 44. Ryan, we have listeners. They trust us. I have to edit this. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Just post it as is. Um. All right. Completely stock guitars versus buying something with the plans to modify I think if you're going to buy something with plans to modify it, it should already be used. If you're buying new, then what's the point? Agree. Um, if you want to drop uh, Seymour, Dunks, Seymour Duncan's in a Mexi Strat, just buy it on Craigslist. Exactly. Like people because already, it, it's not going to matter yeah. 1998 versus 2008. People are already talking about those new Fender offsets, the Dan Electros and Mustangs. I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to swap this. I'm going to swap that. I'm going to swap this. Like, if you're going to do that, then just buy a used Mustang or Dan- do a Sonic. Do you know what the song Walking or, After Memphis is? Or, or walk- wait until they are used to right. do that. Do you know what the song Walking in Memphis is? No, I don't. It's a Bob Dylan song. I don't know anything about it. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I like it. Well, um, I like the first half of it. I'm and, then more the, of a and then the back half of it is too dark for me. I'm more of a fan of Leaving Las Vegas. Or, um, uh, what's the bowling movie? Kingpin? Kingpin. Oh my gosh. Moving on. <laughs> How long are your sleeves, Ryan? Oh, long enough to cover my shoulders. I wear an Old Navy large tall if anyone wants to buy me some shirts. I wear an Old Navy, uh, extra large tall. Yeah. If anyone else If wants it's to a button up sleeves. shirt, I do do the extra large tall but for the v-necks that i so frequently purchase 
large tall. Yeah, I'm a little bigger than you in the shoulder department. Jonathan Michael Diaz. Happy birthday, Jonathan Michael Diaz. Happy birthday also, to you. Also, Jonathan. Two weeks too late. Also, also Jonathan Michael Diaz says, uh, suck it, Sean. I don't know who Indeed. Sean is. Whichever Sean you happen to be, suck it. Whichever it happens to be. Um... I think that's it. We did it all. We did it. We did it. There's other things in there, but we don't even need to cover them. I'm really sorry you guys had to listen to all of that. 147 minutes, Steve, and we have a sponsor. Blame the Facebook group. You know what? If you want better questions for us when we we toss the salad, if you want better questions for for that salad tossing, Email us 60cyclehumpcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook group unless you hate Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, really, what's up with There's that There's only one person who's at fault for this entire debacle of an episode. Me? And it is uh, Joe W. Seagrams, who is the person involved. I don't think that's his name. No. I'm going to look it up because I am obsessed with... You think with- Seagrams is his first name? No, I just don't think it's his last name. Well, I'm fine to drive. We're going to go get burritos. My wife and kid are asleep, I hope. Because I've neglected them all day long. You are terrible. Joseph E. Seagram's is the name of the person who founded the Seagram's company. Did I say Joe W.? I don't know. I think it's, it's Joe E. I got really close. All right. Give me another. I got to look this up. Oh, Normally, no. I do this while Ryan is talking. We're going to look for the song for this week. It is from Grant Andrews. Thank you, Grant. If you want to send a song to us at 60 Cycle Hum, Ryan, tell them what the email address is. Well, you know what you've forgotten to do, Steve. That's right. The sponsorship. You need to thank Stringjoy. Stringjoy.com. This is the last one, and we needed to make a big impression. And instead, we recorded for two hours straight, Steve. <laughs> yeah. They're never going to hire us again. Ser- seriously, though, um, I've never had contact with Stringjoy before. Um, it's and, been just a complete and, pro- pleasure. And when we set up our sponsorship with them, Scott reached out to us and said, you know what? I want to make sure you guys have the best string experience that you can get. Tell me about what you're using now and tell me about what you think could be better. And then he sent us strings to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say right now, you know, obviously sponsorships are paid for. He paid for four sponsorships. This is the last one. I have yet to put these strings on my guitar just because of the way the recording schedule lines up. And mm-hmm. when these showed up, we're going to follow up on these. Absolutely. So effectively, Scott has paid for like, what, five, six sponsorships? Absolutely. Next episode or very soon, we're going to be following up and talking about our experience with these strings. You know what? That's a freebie for you, You Scott. You know what String Choice says? Better strings, sound better, play better. I mean, it sounds good to me. That sums it up. All right. Um, check them out stringjoy.com shoot Scott an email he will answer your questions tell him what guitar you use if you use it yeah tell him what specific guitar you use oh my gosh Steve tell him what specific (laughs) strings you use yeah tell him what you don't like about them tell him your dreams your hopes your fears 
work out a process where you can purchase the perfect strings for Tell your life. Tell your mother's maiden name and the last four digits as your social security number. No, don't do that. <laughs> All right. Tell us about the song, Steve. This song was sent by Grant Andrews, who two weeks ago gave us garbage about not playing his song. His band is called The Red Factor. They recorded their debut album in 2014, well before the onslaught of Harambe memes. Oh my gosh. I hate Harambe memes. You're sick of Harambe. Dude. I feel like I've turned the corner where I've embraced it. You don't even know. So he says, Grant says, I... The talentless vocalist rhythm guitarist ran my Juilliard Jr. straight into my nine. Wait, Juilliard? Is Jill... this going to be related to Harambe in any way? Gillard? No. Is Gillard a guitar company? I'm not, I don't know. He used an AC30. He used a chorus pedal with a Dan Electro U2 into a way huge Super Puss. With the repeats and modulation maxed. Liam, the far more attractive and gifted member of his band, played a Mexican telly with some kind of Fender amp. I mean, there's so many. Into a pedal choo-choo. Woo! Woo! (laughs) There are some pedals there. Who cares? He's tall and he has good hair. That sounds a lot like me, actually. Anyway, the album is Style and Soul, and Grant thinks it's pretty good. It's on Bandcamp, theredfactor.bandcamp.com. Check it out. I actually really enjoyed this song. It's called Cyanide and Bubblegum, which are my two favorite things. I hope you enjoyed this song. Do you have anything to say, Ryan? Nope. Bye. Bye. Don't you think it's getting darker around here? It seems like the sun keeps setting sooner every day. Don't you think it's getting harder to fight the fear? That your past is getting harder.